Hi, everyone. Thanks for checking out the Thrive Podcast. We are the Young Adult Ministry at Maranatha Bible Church, and we meet on Wednesdays at 730 in our Family Life Center. If you enjoy this podcast, we'd love for you to post it to your Instagram story and tag us at NBC Thrive on Instagram. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy. All right, guys. So welcome. Welcome to Thrive. Uh, My name is Jeremiah Sanders, as you see on the board up here. And tonight, we are back in our series, Running to Win. Tonight, I got the privilege of actually finishing this up. Um, So if you you might be confused, you might be like, okay, so last week we only did 3, 1 through 11, and now Jeremiah has to do 3, 12 to the end of the chapter. Yeah, you'd be right. Um, So I'm going to make a big disclaimer before I start. Tonight, you, you might be like, hey, he's like moving a little fast through this. There's some things that I felt like he could have highlighted more. Um, something along those lines. And you'd, you'd probably be right. But I'm going to share with you guys what the Lord has led me to share with you guys tonight in, in this passage here. So let's start out by reading the remainder of chapter 3 and verse 1 of chapter 4. So bear with me here as we go on. All right, so, <clears throat> and this is our series verse, starting with the verse 12. Not that I have obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. But those of us who are mature think in this way, and in anything you think otherwise, God will also reveal that to you. Only let us hold true to what we've attained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you, and now I'll tell you even in tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is their destruction, their God is their belly, and, their glory, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body, for the power that enables him even to subject us to things to himself. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. So, uh, yeah, that was a mouthful. Um, in the beginning of this text, we get to see our series verse, and that's 3.12. Let's revisit that verse. This, we, we chose this verse because, it's, uh, honestly, it's really important to us, and it's really essential to our faith. And it, it goes, not that I've already obtained this, or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Paul is referring here to, to how he is still in this race of the Christian life. He states that he isn't perfect yet, he hasn't arrived yet, but he wants to become more like Jesus each and every day. And um, he, states that he, isn't, he states that he isn't perfect yet, right? And he hopes that he's going to get there one day. And as a believer, we can take encouragement in that because we know that, hey, we're not there yet. If you, if you believe in Christ, we're not there yet, but we will get there one day, as Paul is saying here. Um, and regardless of what happens, Christ is here with you, and he's here for you. If you're a believer in Christ here tonight, he is here with you, and he's here for you. Um, and our response to this needs to be one of obedience. Hey, God, um, I know that you're here with me today regardless of what happens. If this thing happens at work, if this thing happens at school, I know that you're going to be here for me, and I know that you got me. Paul keeps the same tone in the following two verses. He's talking about this idea of straining towards this goal, like really working towards it, what lies ahead in this upward call of Christ Jesus. 
And when I think of straining towards a goal, like with this fixed mindset and really straining towards it, I tend to think of like with straining, I think of Rocky Balboa. Um, so if you don't know who that is, those of you that have not watched movies in here, this guy is a boxer from Philadelphia, you know, boxing, like, I don't know what any other type of boxing there would be, maybe just Amazon package, you know, in the factory, <laughs> just boxing up things. This man's a boxer, right? So, and in this Rocky movie, it was released back in the 70s, um, it's a pretty good movie if you ever want to watch it, but that's just my opinion. So he gets this shot at the World Heavyweight Championship in boxing. Guy shouldn't have get it. One, one lucky shot, he gets it. And Rocky is doing everything in his power to get ready for this fight. He gets up at 4.30, super early, right? Like, this man's crazy. He gets up at 4.30, dr drinks raw eggs. Don't do that. D don't do that. He drinks raw eggs. You know, the protein's good in there or whatever, but you can get salmonella. Don't do that. Um, and... He's running, he's training, he's lifting, he's doing everything he can to get ready for this fight. He's just straining towards it. And my question to you guys, and this is kind of like a gut check question for ourselves, why can't we be as devoted in our Christian life as Rocky is just trying to beat up this guy, this, this is guy Apollo? Why can't we get up early or set time within our busy schedule to, for God? Why can't we set those times to read his word? and have time in prayer. Now, it might be easy if we have a training montage behind it that's only like 20 minutes, you know, you have your best upbeat song behind you and you're like, let's go, like, I'm ready to go, I'm, people are watching me, I've got it, like, no. But that's not how it is, right? That might be easier that way. Um, but the great part is that when we're straining, when we're doing these things, when we're reading our Bible, when we're praying, uh, we have someone in our corner to help us get through these things, and that's the person of Jesus. So even though we are straining and we are doing these things, Jesus is still working these things out in us, if you're a believer. He's working these things out in us and through us. Um, and uh, in, in verses 15 and 16, so this is moving along here, Paul, I'm just going to say, it, he's like a straight savage. He just calls things that it is. He says it how it is. He's, he says here in verse 15 that if you don't agree with what he just said, God's going to bring it to your attention. He's gonna, you're you're going to know. He's going to bring it out. And if it's not today, it's going to be tomorrow or some other time. Like, if you don't agree, God's going to reveal it to you, as we said. He's going to bring light to it. Um, and he also says to hold to what is true to what they had attained. So what had the people here in Philippi attained? It was that gift of salvation. They, were, they, they had received God's, a lot of them in the church, had re, not everybody, had received God's gift, as we're going to get into, you'll see later. Um, and he's, Paul's just really trying to give this church, you know, we're reading his mail to this church. He's trying to give them encouragement, trying to build them up. And, you know, believers here and believers there are really in this process of becoming like Jesus. You know, God's going to work things out in our own lives, and then with that, we have the obedience that's to strain towards the gospel, strain towards the things that he wants us to do, become more like Jesus. So um, this big churchy word, sanctification, um, becoming set apart and more like Jesus, being made more holy like Jesus, that's sanctification. And the best way I could think of describing sanctification while I was reading this, um, so... Has anyone ever heard of the, a guy named Bob Ross? So, if you don't know who Bob Ross is, yeah, I'm just using people tonight. It just is what it is. But 
he's kind of a weird guy. So you're like, why is he using him in a lesson? He is kind of a weird guy. Um, and he'd say things like, we're going to make happy little trees or happy little clouds or whatever it is. And I was watching a video of him the other day. I know, me, Jeremiah Sanders, was watching a video of an artist paint. You're like, it wasn't a football video? It wasn't like a Browns video or something? Yeah, I, I know. So, um, but in this video, you know, Bob here, he's like mixing these paints. He's making those happy little trees, clouds, mountains. And as he's working on this canvas and doing his thing, I'm just sitting there like amazed, like jaws dropped, like he's actually putting the shadows on the mountains, like the whole ridge, you see the whole thing. I'm like, how could someone do this? This guy that, I, I, I don't know, he's kind of a weird guy, but he, he can do art. Like, um, and I was just really amazed how he brought this all together, just step by step, just bringing these things here. And this, this beautiful art, like a masterpiece. In a similar way, God works on us. We start our new Christian life as like a blank canvas, right? A new creation. God continues to work on us and bring stuff in our lives. He's working on us, working on us. Bring stuff up and we're becoming more like this beautiful creation that he wants us to be as we go along in our life. Just becoming more beautiful, like God created us to be. Now, if any, any walk, anyone that's in any stage of their walk with Christ, this should be an encouragement because God's not finished with you yet. He's still got stuff he's going to work out on you. You're going to become like this beautiful Bob Ross painting by the time he's done with you. Maybe you don't think Bob Ross's paintings are beautiful. I do, but I don't know. I'm Jeremiah, so. Um, but um, again, going back to that beginning verse, Christ has made, if you're a follower of Christ here, Christ has made us his own. And he's going to continue to bring this stuff up in our lives. So let's continue fighting. Let's continue straining. Let's fight this good fight of faith. Um, and God's going to continue this work in you that he started. Um, so let's move on to verses 17 through 21. In verses 17 through 21, Paul encourages the believers to imitate him and like what he had did. You know, Paul's a good guy. He strived for Jesus. He made sacrifices for Jesus. He was in jail for Jesus. Um, and also to keep those eyes on people who claim to be believers. Because there was people in the church, like you said here, that uh, started to live as enemies of the cross of Christ. They made their gods their bellies, which basically what he means there is that it's like any earthly, fleshly desires, like, you know, like sex, one to eat too much gluttony, like those type of things, those fleshly, earthly desires. Um, and... Basically, he's trying to say just keep, the, keep your eyes on those people because there's sometimes there's people who claim to be in the faith and with us, but they don't practice what they preach and they're not there. Um, now, here's the encouraging piece. You know, he just said the end for these people is destruction. Dun, dun, dun. Like, it's like, okay. Paul then goes on to state here that believers, like if you're a believer, your citizenship is in heaven. Your citizenship is in heaven. Like, you have a timeshare in heaven. Like, you're, you're, you're there. <laughs> um, and we're waiting on, for Jesus to come down one day and make us like him, you know, have these heavenly bodies um, like him. And that's glorification there, another big churchy word. Um, and this is the end goal, to be completely like Jesus. Um, 
in these glorified and heavenly bodies. Like, what a great encouragement. There's just gonna be one day where we're completely like him, there's gonna be no more crying, nothing, no more struggle, no more pain, but we're just gonna be like him. We won't have to strain like Rocky Balboa, you know, just like fighting all the time. I'll stop with the Rocky stuff. Some of you guys don't appreciate that. Um, so, but um, in chapter four, verse one, uh, he tells the believers to stand firm in Christ. And he wanted the believers in Philippi to be deeply rooted in their faith. So he's encouraging them, trying to, wants them to be deeply rooted in their faith. And something Paul said actually earlier, Philippians 1.6, I don't know if I put it in the slides, um, but he said this, and I'm sure of this, and he who began a good work in you will, will bring it to completion the day, at the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. So you kind of see I'm weaving this point here that God's working on us. And our response as a believer needs to be one of, hey, God, I'm going to follow you whatever you want. I'm going to strain for what you want from me each and every day because I know you're going to work and I'm going to be obedient to the work that you're doing in me. So um, now let's move on to chapter four, the entire chapter. Um, I already made that disclaimer, so, you know, here we go. Time to fly. Um, so I just finished with chapter four, verse one. Now we're in chapter four, verses two and three. Here's a huge oversimplification of what's happening in verse two and three. So basically he's talking about some companions here that he had, two women, and that Paul had served by him and he just asked the believers of Philippi, be with them, encourage them, help them. There we go, verses two and three. I flew through that one. You can argue me on that point later if you want, but. Um, okay, so this one I'm gonna really focus into verses four through 13. I'm gonna read all these. Um, it goes, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, Think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things and the peace of God will be with you. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Now that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So uh, right now I wanna focus on verses four through nine. And the application I kinda had from this one is that following God brings peace in this life. If you're a believer, um, he starts in verse four by saying rejoice. Um, that you should always have something to rejoice in, which is Jesus. And then verse five, here we go again, flying. He, he says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Paul here is encouraging believers to be known for their maturity and wisdom. When he says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. And then Paul continues to say that the Lord is at hand. And there's a big debate on this part. I'm not gonna pick a side or whatever. I'm just gonna present both sides. So one side says that the Lord is at hand means that the Lord is coming soon. Like he's coming right, right now, maybe in a year, soon. 
Um, the other side thinks that it means it's the Lord is close or always watching, always with us. Um, I'm not going to get into that, and whatever side's right, cool. The next few verses are going to be ap- applicable anyway, so there we go. <laughs> um, and you can study that, get into that for yourself. We could have debate night. You know, you could be like, no, it's this side. We got people sit over here, no, it's this side. I don't know. So, um, verse 6 speaks uh, to being not anxious about anything and let everything be known to God. Um, and a verse I really thought of that actually, like, resonates close to my heart is 1 Peter 5, 7, when it says, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. He, guys, he wants the rough parts. He wants everything. He wants all of you. He is there for you, and he loves you. Don't, don't forget that. And, and I feel like I really got to share this tonight. Um, if you feel alone, depressed, lonely, and that no one cares about you, there is someone who does care about you. And there is one above all who cares about you, and that's the Lord. He, he loves you, and he wants to meet you right where you are and mold you into his beautiful creation. That's what I talked about earlier. And he, he really just loves you and wants to meet you right where you are. With all this in mind, Paul goes on to say that the peace of God will guard believers' hearts and minds in Jesus. You, you see the theme here. We're kind of getting anxiety, bringing peace from God. And um, now, is it promised that's going to happen right now? I know, like, we are in the digital age. Like, we get answers this. I could ask a question about this, that, the other. Um, and I get an answer right now. Is that peace always instantaneous? No. But it is promised that it will come, and you will receive peace in this life um, when you follow Jesus. And in verse 8, Paul goes on saying a bunch of, like, whatever, it, whatever is statements. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure. Sorry. Whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. And then also they learned about um, things that are worthy of praise. So he wants the believers to be thinking about all these things, things that are uh, lovely, commendable, just, all these things. Um, and when they have these things on their mind, they can have the peace of God with them. And again, like, following God really just, it brings peace. And I'm not talking about, like, hippy-dippy, feng shui peace, but, like, real, true peace in this life. In verses 10 through 13, it goes on here. Um, and I have another application point here that following God brings contentment in this life. Um, so verse 10, Paul's rejoicing of how the people in uh, Philippi genuinely showed their care for them. Like, this man needed it. I mean, we've referenced it a hundred times. Like, Paul's in jail. He's in chains. Uh, I feel like almost any book you could go to with Paul that he's in jail just... Man just was always in jail, but God was using him in jail. Um, and so this has been encouraging for him to hear from this church that they, um, they were trying to encourage him. Um, and they were really just expressing their concern for him. And he in return for them. Um, but he goes on in verses 11 to 12, um, talking about how he can be content in whatever situation he's in. If he's hungry, tired, any of these things... Any type of need, he's like, hey, I can get along with poverty. I can get along with prosperity. And in every circumstance, I've learned the secret. And he goes on here, like, what is the secret of um, being content here? The secret is the secret of being filled. And there's, 
There's an interesting Greek word used here. Uh, you can correct me later if I pronounce this wrong. Um, the word is chortas here. That's used in the text. It's used for feeding and fattening animals here. Um, when he talks about being filled. And he's like, hey, I, I know what it's like to have a big meal, a huge meal. I know what it is to eat well. Um, but I also know what it is to be hungry. It, and Paul, like we said, he's had times of great deprivation. He's in jail. I hate keeping going back to it, but it's true. He was in jail. He didn't have enough food to eat. He knew that. He experienced that. And he closes verse 12 by saying here, and he know what it's like to have abundance, and I know what it's like to suffer lack. But the point is, in everything, Paul is found to be content because he lives independent from his circumstances. And as a Christian, we should be able to live independent of our circumstances. So hey, like, something crappy went on at work today. Something crappy went on in my sports team today. Crappy, you fill in the blank. But I can live independent of those circumstances because my hope is not in the circumstances. My hope is in Jesus. If I'm a Christ follower, if you're a Christ follower today, your hope should be in Jesus. It should all be rest in the person of Jesus. Not my work, not my situation that I'm in, not my football team, not anything like that. It should be in Jesus. And then verse 13, he goes on to say that he can do all things through Christ who strengthens him. And I know verse 13 is the biggest sports mantra ever. You know, Tim Tebow's got, had it on his thing. You, every sports person had it on there. But, you know, Paul wasn't speaking about football when he was talking about this verse here. He, he wasn't, sorry. Like, he, he just wasn't. Um, he was talking about, however, about how he could get through life um, with whatever he was facing because he had Christ to go through it with. Um, facing all the crap he would have to go through, um, he had Christ with him. And the only reason he knew he could make it through because he, he wasn't relying on his own strength, he was relying on Christ. And hopefully you can see, see that too if you're a Christian. You're relying on his strength, not your own. Personally, okay, Christian talked about himself last week. I felt like it's okay to talk about myself this week. You know, like, I gotta, I gotta flex a little bit, literally. Um, so, as I look around this room, I had to make sure Cam Martin wasn't here tonight. Um, I know that no one in this room is stronger than me physically, okay? Um, but, all that means nothing when I have to deal with the mental, spiritual, emotional, spiritual, all those battles in life. My physical strength means nothing. I could be paralyzed, and I'd still have to deal with mental, emotional, and spiritual battles. I'd still have Christ then. It'd suck. I couldn't lift weights anymore, but I'd still have Christ. And I know that if any of those situations came, I could rely on his strength and not my own, because it's just not enough. It's not enough, and ne neither is yours. So rely, if, you, if you're a Christian, rely on his strength. <clears throat> so, uh, in verses four, 14 through 19 here, uh, we kind of see this application here, this point that God provides for his people. In verses 14 through 19, Paul speaks of how it was kind of the Philippians to share in his trouble. You know, they're encouraging him. There was gifts that they gave him for, the, for his ministry. And he makes the point that they were the only church in the beginning, after he left Macedonia, that were in partnership with him, in this partnership with him here. And the church gave Paul gifts, and in turn he said, hey, God's going to supply what you guys need. And I wanted to look at some verses about God's provision for his people. Um, 
In Psalms 34.10, it says, The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. In Matthew 11.29-30, he says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So, you can just see in these other two cross-references here that God is really providing for his people. When, when hard times come, he's with you. He's striving along with you. Um, and don't catch me wrong here. I'm not preaching a health and wealth gospel. Like, your life is not going to be sunshine and rainbows if you're a Christian. Paul's not promising this. I'm not promising this. Um, but you will have help from the person that is uh, Jesus, and he's going to be there for you. Uh, another oversimplification here, in verses 20 through 23, he is basically just saying goodbye to the church. See you guys. Um, I'm not going to get into all the details there. Um, but I want to take this time to say a farewell to this series because I felt like it's been a great series. Um, and you guys, before we go off this week. Um, so my application today, um, I know that we flew through this passage today. There was, what, like 30-some verses. But if you don't remember anything today because we covered a lot and I oversimplified a lot, um, remember these three things. Um, one, we should be striving to be more like Christ each and every day. Um, I used this Rocky analogy earlier, um, but that's kind of what it's like, you know, pouring every fiber of our being to becoming like Christ, you know, setting time apart each day. Um, if it's early in the morning, if it's right before we go to bed, hopefully both times, um, that we are in Scripture, in His Word, and in prayer, and just every, every part of ourselves pouring into this relationship with Christ. And when the going gets tough, um, as Christians, we should go to God because he's going to be there for us and he wants to finish this work that he started in us. Um, two, we should bring our worries and stresses to God. Again, the, the God of the universe cares and loves you so much. And you don't need to get any better to come to him. You don't need to clean yourself up he wants to meet you right where you're at, and he loves you. So those things, that crap that's going on in your life, bring it to him, because he wants it. He wants to hear from you. You need to bring those things to him in prayer. And three, um, we should be able to find peace and contentment in this life through following Jesus. I know in this life, we have a lot of stuff thrown at us. In those situations, I know that we can have peace and be content, because... As a Christian, you should be able to live independent of your circumstances because our hope is not in our circumstances. Our hope's not in these things of this world. Our hope's in Jesus. And that should be the only thing our hope's in. Not our job, not our money, not our family, only Jesus. Because all those things can be taken away. Only Jesus. And... If, if we have much, if we have little, we should be able to find contentment in the person of Jesus if you are a Christ follower here tonight. Now, I want to extend an invitation to anyone who is not a follower of Christ in this room. Um, if you don't know him, why not tonight? Why would you not try to come and know him? Uh, if I'll talk to anyone about it, uh, talk to the person you came to, but there is a God of the universe who cares about you, loves you, and wants to meet you right where you are.
Let's close in prayer. Lord, I just want to thank you for this day, and I just want to thank you for everything you give us. Lord, I would just pray that if there's any in this, anyone in this room that is struggling tonight with anxieties, stresses, worries of this world, Lord, that they would just run to you, that they'd cry out to you, Lord, and that uh, you'd be able to fill them with this peace that you promised them, Lord. Lord, I also pray that if there's anyone in this room that doesn't know you, Lord, that they would come to know you tonight, um, or very soon, Lord, that they'd talk to those people that they came with, or talk to me, talk to someone tonight about coming to know you. Lord, I'd also pray that um, people in this room would be able to be encouraged, that they know that you are going to finish the work that you started in them, Lord. Lord, I just want to thank you for everything you give us. In your son's holy name, amen. All right, guys, you're free to hang out. Good night and thrive.